Hey, crew, <laughs> welcome back to the Skippy Report. On this report, we have the family known as the Oily Travelers, Jamie Bond Gautier and Joseph Gautier, and their two little ones whom I don't know their names. Brantley and Emerson. Brantley. And Emerson just celebrated a birthday, correct? She sure did, yeah. So as some, as some of my listeners know, I try to have interesting conversations. And Jamie and I met two summers ago uh, on a runway at Pearson International Airport. Well, I guess, yeah, I guess on the runway. And yeah. uh, at an event run by Event Matrix and Jeff uh, McCaig. And we were able to, uh, I wasn't. Uh, I was running the hospitality trailer, I think, for the crew. And um, we were introducing the Genesis cars to the public and to media on a runway when there were planes taking off and landing on perpendicular adjacent runways at Pearson <laughs> International Airport. Kind of crazy day. And from that, that the one and only time you'll be allowed to do that. Too. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Cause I know it, it took Jeff two years to get that set up. Yeah. It was quite the event. It was pretty incredible actually. And, uh, coming from air crew backgrounds, I know we both took one look at the event layout. We were like, Holy man, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and so from that, we had dinner the night before the event and Jamie and I were sitting next to each other and we found out that we both have fifth wheels. And then Jamie told me that her and her family are full timers. And I thought, you know what, this would be an interesting conversation about what life with a family is like when you're full-time RVing. <laughs> so uh, we've had, we've had some technical issues. It was supposed to go off a little while ago, like within an hour, but, uh, where are you guys presently located? Well, that's a loaded question, Keith. And for people who don't know the, where uh, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say we're down at the fisherman's wharf in Comox currently out on a little day adventure, but uh as of the as as far as a family unit and our physical location, we are in Cumberland, which isn't too far. It's about a twenty minute drive from uh, Comox. And so, so, we've, uh, so set, if some of the listeners up. who aren't familiar with, uh, well, I'm going to say there are Canadians who don't know where Comox is. It's on Vancouver Island in the North End. Right. So we've been we've been struggling with getting internet connections. <laughs> And phone connections and all that sort of stuff. So, and then once I got, we got everything all organized, then I had some technical difficulties on my end, but we worked it all out. And here we are sitting down at almost opposite ends of the country. And it's yeah. uh, just lunchtime there for you guys. Well, it's mid afternoon here for me. And you're in pouring rain. It, it's lightened up, but yeah, it's been raining for a few days here. And don't worry about technical difficulties and Wi-Fi and stuff like that. That's something that we're used to uh, because that's probably the biggest struggle of living full-time in an RV. Right. It's having that connection, whether it's Wi-Fi, whether it's data. As you can imagine, where we are right now, we have no Wi-Fi. So we're working off of the data of our phone. So you can imagine what kind of plan that we have set up on our phones, which is pretty pretty boosted on steroids. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We, we should actually note, though, that, that that's a Canadian struggle because when yeah. we are down in the States uh, during our winters or traveling abroad even, like it, it's generally not an issue elsewhere. Um, yeah. But for Q 
Canada. Yeah, like you, you can get a we had unlimited to go in the winters, and it, I mean we could be sitting on a beach with a little little box, and we had complete Wi-Fi anywhere we went. Right. So well, I know that because when we traveled to Thunder Bay to visit Sean's family. 20 minutes north of Sault Ste. Marie, it's like goodbye cell service. And then yeah. two hours later, just as you roll in the Wawa, you get it. And as you leave it, leave Wawa, it's gone. And I was like, <laughs> so I, I've kind of thought that when Sean and I are able to get out more, because COVID is what prevented us from getting out more, um, we might get one of those uh, spots that just in case there's an emergency, because there was some place I wanted to stay on our way home last fall on Lake Superior and people expect us to check in when we're traveling and there was like absolutely no cell service. It was like, oh, okay. And I even did a, a three point turn with my 41 foot fifth wheel in the middle of the highway 17 to get back to this. <laughs> yeah. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. I think the long haul truck drivers would be proud of what I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, oh, so man. so let's let's get so what what made you guys uh, decide to uh, become full time RVers? Hit the road, and did you have a family when you started that? Yeah, never looked back. Half of a family. Yeah, we were. Gosh, so we've been on the road for six years now. March twenty sixth, two thousand fifteen. When we launched full time. Yeah. And uh, we took the better part of a year to lead up to that, as far as laying groundwork goes. Um. I think our, I think I can speak for both of us with our, you know, our motive just being to get out there and live, you know, and, and just explore. Um, we, you know, we call ourselves gypsy souls because yep. we generally uh, have, have both always been wired this way. Right. Um, we were both air crew um, for WestJet and, uh, and traveled for a living. Both of us, you know, veterans at that point, we had been flying for, you know, 10 plus years and uh, we just, we just wanted to continue to do that. We had, um, gosh, we bought a condo in Lake Country. Lake Country, uh, north of Kelowna, between Kelowna and Van Vernon, okay. British Columbia. Yep. Yeah. Um, I still had a home in uh, Muskoka, an Ontario girl. Yep. And uh, at that point, WestJet had transitioned from bases to ports. Or sorry, ports, ports to bases, my apologies. And so we kind of had to pick between Calgary, Vancouver, or Toronto Right. at that point. So we uh, sold the condo in Kelowna and uh, moved to Vancouver pretty abruptly. Brantley was under a year old. And uh, we were trying to navigate being new parents um, as far as both being working parents, trying to figure out logistically how that was going to happen, whether we would just have handoffs at the airport <laughs> with a little little guy or what. Right, and so we didn't see how that was going to work, or I guess it could work, but how does that work well? Do you know what I mean? In maintaining yes. a life balance, yeah. and oh, yeah. um, we were we had a, a Westphalia camper, you know, right. the Volkswagen kind of pop top, and here's the kicker: no matter what we did, every chance we got, we were booting around in that thing. So here's right. we had an expensive condo in Vancouver, and we were just all over in this little camper. Right. <laughs> like just exploring. And it's, and- it's funny that you say that too, because you know what, when we first started our laying the groundwork for us to do what we do with our fifth wheel, it was a Volkswagen Westphalia also. And, oh, uh, but then I tried to fit in one. <laughs> and when you're six foot six, you can't sit in the driver's seat. 
I can't. Imagine. No, you can't sit very in many places. <laughs> yeah, that's why I don't fly. Yeah, yeah, I was just gonna say that's why you probably aren't a fan of the airplane. Well, I, you, you know what? I, I've learned I've learned in my limited travel how to pick seats and that sort of stuff. But you know what? I maybe from uh, thirty years of teaching, I do not like the airport experience. It's just way too many people for me. And I think one of the big points as far as why we chose this life is Jamie and I had both worked in the corporate world or in that type of environment for a very long time and because when we were younger we traveled a lot like my dad was military so every three or four years we were moving right. to a new uh, army base jamie had moved a lot in her lifetime we know that there's ways of still living a happy life while being on the move and on the go right and becoming air crew just obviously added to that because every person that you're working with on the plane are people with that same mentality of travel get out there go see go meet people go find new places and the more we talked about going from lake country the Kelowna area to vancouver as beautiful as vancouver is we're not city people right we're not people who want to live in that concrete jungle and like jamie was saying every chance we had we jumped in the west and we took off right and then and it came to a head i still remember the 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 date august 16th uh that would be 2014 when we decided this is what we're going to do yeah I love and the, story. the back story <laughs> to this is that jamie and i drove down from vancouver we went to brownsville oregon try to find that on the map right in the middle of a cornfield at a country music festival <laughs> and here we are with our little 84 westie our one-year-old boy in his playpen surrounded by these motorhomes and fifth wheels and travel trails and they were decked out and ready to party and have a good time and here we are with our little little westy listening to country <laughs> music and the sunday night um we went out on the grounds we checked it out and that evening we were in the westy the bed was laid down our boy was asleep the back door to the westy was open blake shelton was on stage jamie and i are laying down with a cold beer in our hand look at each other and say this right here right now this is what i want in my life this right. is where i'm happy right now right. and she looked at me she's like absolutely me too nice. so for the rest of that weekend the rest of the entire drive back the rest of the following week all we talked about is like if this is our happy place how do we do more of it right and that's what kind of kicked off the whole idea of okay traveling full-time in a in a motor home or in a fifth wheel or whatever it's going to be right it's something that we want to try yeah we had a commitment to um a year in the back of our minds it was like what's the worst that could happen right what's the worst thing that you could possibly you, you hate it and you go back to a normal life or you go rent a condo again or buy another house or right. whatever you can always back up <clears> right but the theory like the, the thinking of us was let's build a life that we love let's chase down some big dreams here let's go explore and travel and um we're just big on experiences right, right. like get out there and live and go find whatever it is that you want to find that week yeah <laughs> i'm you... not gonna lie there's a lot there's a lot of people who did use the term crazy right uh <laughs> a little nuts was another term that we heard because six years ago or seven when we started talking about it 
it's not really something that people were doing with young families. Most people that you would see in an RV park were retirees, uh, people who were a little bit older, had a little bit more money, and they just wanted to travel more. And here we are. We had our one-year-old boy. Jamie was, at that point, what, five or six months pregnant? I can't do the math right now, but <laughs> around there. Yep. And that's exactly what we thought. I was like, I understand that maybe this is not what looks right for a family according to society, yeah. but it's not about society. It's about Jamie, exactly. myself, yep. Brantley, and our new girl that was coming along the way. It was about us. It's our hub. It's our core. It's what's important to us, regardless of what other people say about it. Right. And that's why we, we, we looked, obviously we looked at all the options. What happens if it goes right? What happens if it goes wrong? And the worst case scenario didn't scare us. Right. Yeah. Well, then try it. Yeah. Give it a shot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the, the one guy I was telling you about where he's got a podcast and he lives out of a van and he builds vans and he sells them. But, uh, that's, he's, uh, his first van was at what well, was a school bus, a little school bus. And he called it the pursuit. Yeah. And I can't remember he's got anything anywhere, I think is what it is. And, Love uh, it. You know what? He's he's got this uh, twenty five hundred Dodge van. It's all decked out. He's got a trailer. He drove out to Utah. He's based, I think, in Ellicottville, New York. And you know what? His job, he's he's got his he's a professional photographer. So he does a lot of weddings, and he'll work his butt off all year so that he can take the winter off and ski. And he does work at a ski shop uh, in Ellicottville, New York. They have him scheduled for Sundays when he's in town <laughs> and it sounds uh, like the perfect fit yeah you know he just uh took his uh van and his trailer with two motorcycles out to moab and his girlfriend flew out because she has a regular corporate job and uh you know they took a week and they were riding their motorcycles through moab and then jessica flew home and adam you know drove he his uh, going. yeah yeah and that that's <laughs> yeah it's it's crazy but you know what it's like that's he he didn't want to get into he was in a job and he was like yeah this isn't for me you know so he wanted to try something else and yeah and his big thing is skiing so to live differently right and the beautiful thing about it that has sort of evolved for us over the years is that once you have that sort of freedom that time freedom yeah and financially your cost of living is is easier yes (laughs) say it that way right like you're not strapped to you know having this big house and all these big payments and things like that I mean you can I think what happened for us is we started to dream again like we really were able to free ourselves up and like um gosh two over two years now that I've uh left flying right um and been able to you know we've been very creative in how we've done it we've uh we take on a lot of wolfing which is working on organic farms yep um, we do a lot of pet sitting. Mm-hmm. So we uh, come in and help people that do want to go travel. We'll stay in their homes, take care of their animals. Uh, you know, we've done everything from a normal home with a cat to these, you know, a beautiful ranch, you know, taking care of multiple horses and dogs and chickens and you name it. Right. Right. And it's great experiences. I mean, obviously our kids are getting a little bit older now. Yeah. Um, where we've, we've been so creative with our homeschooling. Right by taking on these different experiences, right? Exactly, so yeah. It's um this is a first for us. This this season for us, we're we're camp hosting. Right. So our um 
sort of our whole mindset around it. We, we ventured to Vancouver Island with this past year being what it was. We uh, weren't able to go south. So we got to the warmest possible place we could for the winter (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and spent, you know, the the winter on Vancouver Island. And to anyone who's been on Vancouver Island for any length of time, obviously, knows that you fall in love. Um, So we're here and we thought, well, we don't know what the summer is going to look like as far as restrictions go and how traveling might look. So we we thought, well, heck, let's hang out here. Um, Us being creative thinkers that we are, we thought, how do we stay here and find a spot that we can be and be cost effective with it all? So we've actually applied to a couple of camp hosts. And so we're camp hosting, uh, which for those that don't know, you know, we're taking care of a a campground. We found a very special place that's a nonprofit campground that gives back to works with the Cumberland Lakes Wilderness Society. And so they uh, are very passionate folks about integrating people back into the wilderness. They do a lot of school programs and a lot of, um, just working in the community, which is beautiful. It speaks to us. And um, yeah, we're plugging away. I mean, again, a first for us, but we've secured a spot where they're all season and we're actually giving back and helping the community and really uh, enjoying our time. So we've got a, a spot camp right on the lake. Yeah, and, that's um, that's rough. Eh? <laughs> I know, right? It's a tough but, and, and, I mean, that kind of speaks go, to what we were saying is that, yeah. you know, if you a lot of families require two working parents. Well, yeah. I wanted to be home to raise my baby. So in order to do that, we offset our cost of living by finding free places to stay. Yeah. And I think when you start this lifestyle, you, the whole idea is obviously to think outside the box. Yeah. And to think outside the box, you, you have to become very creative in where you're going to go, how you're going to go. The less money you spend, then the less money you need to make. Right. So we were looking really hard of how do we save money? Obviously doing camp hosting, we're working security four nights a week. um, And I use the term security very loosely um, (laughs) in exchange for free rent at the campground. Yes. Uh, Woofing is the exact same thing. You go work on an organic farm, put in 40 or 50 hours, depending on the, on the farm itself in exchange for free rent on their property. Right. And, and house and pet sitting is the exact same thing. You live in their house, rent-free in exchange of taking care of their animals in their home so that the animals are comfortable and staying in their homes instead of going into a kennel. Right. So these are all creative ways of not paying rent. Therefore, you don't have to make as much money. Yeah, that's there's like what one, I'm doing right one. right now. I'm parked in my daughter's driveway because her husband yep. has gone back to work and we have a granddaughter who's three weeks old and Bronwyn was like, yeah, you guys could come down with the trailer and uh, help me or be there in case I need help while I'm establishing my routine. Absolutely. It's, Absolutely. It's, it's just, amazing. Yeah. Right? The freedom yeah. that you're able to, uh, to give your time, right? I think that's yep. such a big thing. I think we're realizing with everything that's gone on in the world, one connection, but also just, you know, giving people your time. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And the experiences that come along with it are such a, such an amazing gift. Yeah, for sure. I know. I know when you talk about the uh, the experiences and all that. I remember. I always thought Oregon was all forest, and while yeah. I was visiting my friend in Eugene, we were coming east, and we went to Bend because I like craft beer. So there's craft beer breweries there. <laughs> and then as we were coming east, it's like 
this is a desert. And friends of mine said, you know what? In Saskatchewan, you can see your dog run away for three days. But in eastern yeah. Oregon, you can <laughs> see your dog run away for a week. <laughs> and and we were right in the middle of this place. And I told Sean, I said, you know, if there's a pull-off, I'd like to spend the night out here. And she kind of like yeah. looked at me. But you know what? There was an emergency rest stop because it was an hour back to Burns to get fuel or three hours to someplace. I don't know where it was. Uh, to get fuel. And so we pulled over, we dropped the landing gear, got all set up for the night. It was gorgeous. And then Sean says to me, are we safe out here? And I was like, uh, I don't know. I guess that's why some Americans carry guns, but I'm Canadian. I have bear spray and an ax. But, yeah. but then an RV, another <laughs> RV came and a couple of trucks came and uh, she was all right that there were some other people there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's she, some of the most amazing places that we've stumbled upon boondocking. Yeah. Same thing, right? You take a second and you evaluate and you're like, are we good here? And then you see one or two other RVs roll up. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, we're good. We're and, good. And you see, I'm on the other spectrum. When I was 12 years old at my cottage in the eastern townships of Quebec, well, even before that, uh, I met a friend. We started camping just maybe a couple of hundred yards away from our cottage up on a cliff. And then we graduated the next year to across the lake. And then the third year, he and I got topo maps and we convinced our parents to drop us off here and pick us up here in five days while we kind of backpack through the really old mountains of uh, the Appalachian Range. And uh, yeah, and, and you know, we didn't take a tent. We had our food. We had ground sheets. We had uh, tent flies and, you know, we had some wicked rain and we, off we went on an adventure and and i know when i met sean i said yeah i used to camp when i was a kid and she goes yeah i camped too and i was like no way and she's like yeah we had like a motorhome i was like no that's traveling no, no. that's not camping <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's the whole idea of this lifestyle is look at the story you're telling from yeah. when you were a kid exactly and it's still ingrained in you and the story is so vivid i were listening to you and i've got goosebumps right and this is what we want like yeah we say it all the time uh, memories over money exactly like it there's always money to be made we yeah. can be making a lot more it's that money will not make us happy right but these memories these travels oh yeah the kids we have one of our yeah. kids when we when we have one of our kids is like hey daddy do you remember that one time that we were playing in the water i'm like okay well which time because that's pretty vague yeah but the time that we were on the beach daddy and there was nobody on the beach because it was covid and it was dead empty and we could ride our bikes anywhere and everywhere like the kids remember that. Yeah. That's what it's all about. These incredible memories that we made when we were a kid. Yeah. With, with camping. And everybody, everybody had an uncle who played guitar. And we have these nights around a campfire. Right. It costs you nothing. You're making s'mores or marshmallows, whatever. Yeah. We want to recreate that for us and for our kids because that's what it's about. Yeah. I know. I know. When it, I remember, I think it was the second year we were camping and because we were on this cliff at the cottage and my buddy played a cornet in the high school band and yeah. uh, we played reveling at six o'clock in the morning every morning. And his dad came up a little while later and he's like, where's that goddamn cornet? Give me that thing. Because <laughs> you could just hear it all along the length of the lake, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, that yeah, making those memories are so much more important. And I think, I know Sean says she wouldn't have been able to do her job if I didn't have my job. Even though I work, you know, I was a regular working stiff. I was a teacher, but 
I was home when Mike, I got home. I was able to get home before my kids got home most of the time. Cause we were yeah. on early hours. I could even put in an hour and a half worth of coaching and still get home just as they were getting off the bus. And I was there all the time for them. You know, whenever they were on school holidays, I was on school holidays. Yeah. And I, yeah. I thankfully graduated with an honors degree, which put me at the second highest pay category. And I was like, yeah, I don't need to go back to school for a while. Like, you know, so I was there for the kids every summer. It's so great. It's such a, you know, somebody mentioned to me, I don't remember, I think it was before, I don't even know, Brantley was probably under a year old, but they were talking about how um, you generally have 16 summers. Right. You know what I mean? And when you put it in perspective that way, I mean, that's not a lot. Let's hope for a whole lot more. Let's hope that the kids love hanging out with us and they want to stick around a whole lot longer than that. But generally speaking, you got 16 summers, you know, and, and yes, the, the days are really, really long, but the years are so short. Right. You know, I feel like I'm blinking right now. And like you said, Emerson just had her sixth birthday and yet I'm flooded by these memories of a little baby. You know what I mean? Like she was constantly in a carrier, in a backpack, Right. Hiking and biking and see it's kind I remember of, being pregnant with her and golfing and people were like, What are you doing to right, the golf club? Right. Well, yeah, I know that was like Sean and Braun when she was pregnant with our girls. We still cycled, you know. She was like six, seven months yeah. pregnant. She's still cycling. She had a special um cycling shorts for, for pregnant women, you know. It's that <laughs> Yeah. But you know what? It's funny how you say time just flies. I'm like a I'm a different guy. Like time stands still with some of my friends who are retired, they're like it's June already. I was like, what are you talking about? It's June already. Like when we would have summer holidays at school, it'd be the third week of July. And I felt like I was off for two months already. Oh my God. Yeah. Time. (laughs) Yeah. This. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, time doesn't stand, stand still for me. It's or it doesn't fly. It stands still. It's crazy. Nice. Yeah. Good. So I I feel like a lot of people, maybe uh, this past year, right. With everything, so many people being locked down, I think, it's kind of people flip flop there. You kind of had camp A and camp B. Some people yes. were like, Oh my God, this time's going by so fast. I'm so productive or I'm so busy. You know, with yeah. some other people were like, Oh man, can we just speed through this whole year and a half and get back to normal? Like, yeah. well. <laughs> I know I was lucky because we live on the edge of, you know, we live out in the country. I, I can throw a baseball into the farmer's f- cornfield from where I live. And, uh, I, I'm just, still working. My buddy said to me, he goes, this was in uh, the fall of 2019. He says, I have a project for you. I said, okay. He says, it'll take a year. I was like, all right. And it's this big 120 year old farmhouse that I'm redoing. I've redone most of it myself, but we've really slowed down now because it's hard to, with our lockdown here in Ontario, to go and actually look at flooring because you Right. You don't want to buy flooring online, you know, you have Unseen, to go and see it. Yeah. yeah. You know, cabinets are a little different, but yeah. Th- so we've been slowed down a little bit. So I haven't worked much in the last couple of weeks, but uh, he says. But you to, posted some pictures there for a while. I was following yeah. along with some of the yeah. stuff in it. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's Sean's gone back to work because she used to do this. This was communicable disease and control was what she used to do. So they needed her and. And uh, so she works out of uh, one of the bedrooms in our house three days a week. And, uh, so and back it's, to work, working, but, but working from home? Yes. And she yeah. loves it because she's a peon. She's not a manager. Because she used to run the, <laughs> run the sexual health department and, I don't know, commit whatever communicable 
multiple diseases there are, you know, like hepatitis and uh, all, all that sort of stuff. But now she's just a peon. So she's like, yeah, at the end of my day, I just click off and I'm done. <laughs> yep. yeah. But, but she's, she's dealt with a lot of people who have been very sick, you know, and she's dealt with some people who have been asked to isolate because they've been in close contact and they've lost it. And, then she says, well, I'm, I'm really glad that you're feeling that well because I just got off the phone with a family who are this sick and that or they've lost this, you know, family member and that sort of stuff. And that really sobers people up when they're on the phone with her. Yeah. Yeah. So Hearing, hearing an side. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That was quick. So um, I was going to say, so you, you've pretty much given us the, the lowdown of how you travel, you get to stay at places. Now, I'm, I was kind of interested. So if you're down in, say, Florida, because I remember you said, I think when we had, when we were together that one time having dinner, you had been uh, like on an organic farm picking strawberries or something like that yeah. in Florida. Now, so I'm trying to figure out if you're based out of <laughs> Vancouver, as a flight crew, how does, I don't know if you were still, I don't think you were still part of flight. Oh, maybe you were. How does that work? How, do you do you have to get back to Vancouver? How does the what the heck, the what the where? How did that work? Yeah, like how do you go from picking strawberries in Florida and then you got like flight crew and then you got to get back to wherever your base is, which is Vancouver, right? Yeah, at that point, actually, we were based out of Toronto. Yeah. Oh, okay. We still, uh, Joseph is still based out of Toronto. So if you can imagine, I will, uh, I'll touch on Florida, like where we are right now in Cumberland. He just got called back to work. So right. he's actually back to work, um, which is a surprise to us and kind of threw us off a little bit because we didn't expect that to happen until well later in the year. Um, so we took this camp host position, assuming that there were two of us. Right. Uh, and he got called back and it was literally like 48 hours notice. And within a week, he was gone to Calgary back requalifying and training again. So. Uh, it threw us for a little bit of a curveball, him being back to work right now. But um, rewind back to when we did our uh, woofing. We were in Fort Myers. Fort Myers. That was our Fort Myers one. Right. Um, working. We spent, we, we originally had booked in for a month and stayed for three and a half. Three and a half. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Fell in love with this place. Um, it really was a, uh, it was such a great experience that we had six families. Six families, 18 kids. Wow. All running around this farm. Of the 18 kids, 16 of them were eight and under. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) They had their little bike gangs and whatnot. But, I mean, that was just it. We we spent our days um, learning and helping this organic farm in Fort Myers. And um, they ran markets and catered to local uh, really high-end restaurants and things, provided um, tomatoes and citrus and all kinds of good stuff. And we just kind of integrated right into their lives. And um, at that point, it was literally commute back. So just would get a shift and fly into Toronto and work for, you know, four days and then fly home. So what's it's... good at that point, though, is that we had a little commuter car at the Toronto airport. Yes. Like when somebody will get up in the morning, have their breakfast, get dressed, get in their car yep. and drive to work to commute. We would do the same thing. But instead of driving to work, I would fly a plane. And go back to work. So, Jamie would just drop me off at the Fort Myers airport. I would fly to Toronto, get to my little commuter car. We had friends who were 45 minutes away in Whitby who would take me in like a stray dog. And I would work my uh, tail off as hard as I could, being as productive as possible with my hours. Yes. And then bring back the commuter car to the airport, get on a flight, and head back home. 
We're very lucky in the sense that we have a lot of control over our schedule. Yes. There are certain airlines where you get your schedule. That's that's all good luck. And we'll talk next month. Whereas in our case, we get our schedule and we have an online trade board where I can trade with other flight attendants. Okay. Well, if there's, if there are shifts that are not lining up properly with how many days I want to be in Canada to do my work. Yes. I'll trade with somebody who has a shift that makes more sense for me. Right. So I was able to trade that around. So if I wanted to leave on the Thursday, I would have a shift that would start on the Friday and finish it on the Monday or the Tuesday, and then I would fly back on the following day. Okay. So there, there was a lot. Um, that was pretty much another job of having this online trade board, especially when there was two of us working. So I would do my schedule and Jamie's schedule, making sure we're working opposite schedule. Right. And having time to fly in and fly out and mixing all that together. And it's why we, it's while we were in Fort Myers that Jamie eventually resigned, which was, I believe, January 13th, right before she was going to requalify for another year. Right. And that's just where we, we stopped it. So at that point, it became a lot easier because there was only one schedule that I had to deal with instead of working with two schedules at the same time, nonstop, and, which was a full, full-time job in itself, just dealing with that. Yeah, I guess that's- so. That particular uh, wolfing experience really changed a lot of things for us. It kind of, prior to that, with both of us working, we weren't, um, we weren't offsetting our cost of living as much as we do now. So leading up to that, the couple of years leading up to that experience, uh, we would stay in RV parks, right? So even though the cost of living is much lower, you're still forking out, you know, about a thousand dollars to $1,500 a month for more, almost like resort type. RV parks, right? right? Yeah. Um, the kids were super small, and and I was on maternity leave a good portion of that leading up to that. So we would stay in, you know, nice parks and stuff. And he would he would leave and fly. There's times now where I look back and I think, gosh, you know, I'd be in somewhere random in the states with a couple of small babies yeah. making yeah. it work. Yeah. But that's the beautiful thing, and I'm sure you can attest to this: RV living and RV lifestyle. Like people are incredible. Yeah, they I've are. I've seen it so many times where you know something happens with somebody's RV and you've got four guys immediately there to help out or, yes. you know, wind picks up and somebody's awning takes off and the whole campground is, you know, <laughs> there to help. That's like true. It's, it's pretty remarkable. I still have contacts with a couple of amazing ladies that I met, you know, when Joseph was working and I was home with the babies, right. um, that just come over and check on me. How are you? You know, we'd go for walks together and, um, we were able to spend time with one of them this past winter because, her and her husband were also on Vancouver Island. So we would walk together and yeah, just you build these incredible relationships and yeah. it's so much about the well, community. It's interesting. Cause like I, I, I haven't done it lately, but toured by bicycle and you want to talk about community and being immersed, you know, you learn the tricks of how to approach somebody for directions. You know, I'd always pick somebody who's out mowing the lawn. Or something like that, you know. There, yeah, and, it's, yep. and, and you know, I, I remember this one guy. It's like stories again, right? He's the—I uh, yep. don't know if you have ever seen Orange County Ch- American Chopper. I think it was. Anyway, so yep, we I, ran into a guy who looked like a miniature version of Paul Tootle, and he had this oh uh, company that uh, had those uh, zero-turn lawnmowers and that sort of stuff. So I we came across this construction site. And it's like, oh, man, we're going to have to go way out of our way to get around this construction site. So we pulled into his business. I think he was outside doing something. We talked to him, and he's like, oh, yeah, you could just go straight down there. But you know what? If you want, you could camp here tonight. we got a pond, big, huge pond in the back. You can go for a swim, whatever, you know. 
It was crazy. Wow. And then on the same trip, and I and I remember this guy Don Postles. He's on CBS in Buffalo. He does the news, and he he was like an ambassador for Camp Good Days, which is for women and children. It's a summer camp for women and children or families that uh, are recovering or going through um, cancer treatment. Okay. And as we we're doing the Erie Canal, we came across this group of people in this gigantic, uh, like a voyageur style canoe. And they were fundraising for Camp Good Days. And they like, oh, no, pitch your tent over there. Come over and have supper. We've got stuff set up over there. It's just like a hydrant with cold water and some uh, tarps around it. And that was the shower, you know. So, yeah, it like, you know, in the, in the bicycle community or hiking or backpacking, there's the same kind of community that a lot of people who are stuck in the city don't don't experience all these positive experiences. And I think there, there is a mindset behind that, too, because you could go to any place in the world and you will find the meanest, nastiest, most violent people that you could find on the planet. Or you can go to the exact same places and find the sweetest, most gentle, most loving people you will ever find on the planet. And that's something that we've seen all along. Like when we had the Westie, there's yep. a whole Westie community. I used to ride Jeeps for a long time. There's a whole Jeep community. Right. I nice. rode for a long time. Again, a huge community of, of motorcycles. And you go to RV parks and you have your camper and it yeah. doesn't matter what situation you're in. If you need help, there is always, always somebody willing to help you out. doesn't yeah. matter what day it is. doesn't matter if it's pouring rain, if it's snowing, if it's sunny. Somebody will always volunteer to come help you. I need, I, I need to go park in an RV park and pull out all my solar stuff. I've had this solar stuff for a couple of years that I've been slowly trying to hook up together and I was like, oh, man, I don't want to do this. I don't want to create a fire. It's just... I promise you somebody will help you with that. <laughs> You'll be set up I've, been work, I've been working I've been working through it. I've been working through it. I felt kind of confident today, and then I couldn't figure out how to do one thing, and I found a solar. The guy does solar installs on houses and communities in northern Canada yeah. and stuff, and I walked away from there and was like, oh, shit, man. I don't know what the hell I'm doing now. <laughs> it's like, oh, man. So I had to call the guy I bought all the equipment from, and it's like, yeah, yeah, we'll do this, we'll do this. We'll do this. It's like, okay, I feel better now. It's like, uh, <laughs> good. Yeah, just yeah. Talk, talk me down a little bit. Talk me down. Yeah, because yeah. like on our rig, we have like a 5,500-watt generator, and we have these really good – we have those Battleborn 100-amp-hour batteries. and yep. uh, But I don't want to rely on the generator. I, I you know, I want to have yeah. solar, right? So we can go boondocking. Sean and I want to go – boondocking or mooch docking or or whatever we we don't really we're really not campground type of people yes it's funny how you evolved to that hey i i i think that's i mean we're in the same boat now and we're very much looking forward to this winter heading down and we've gotten to a point where we would prefer to boondock now than yeah. be in a campground so um yeah it'll it's, and that, it's that's different. an evolution because when we started we had a 44 foot fifth wheel toy hauler. Yeah. And when you have a big rig like that, you can't just show up to a campground. Yeah. You have to book ahead of time. Yeah. You have to look for 50 amps. And then eventually you go to something a little bit small and then you learn along the way, right? And yep. you spend those first few years, especially when you have little kids, you're starting to figure out life with kids. You're trying to figure out a new lifestyle of living in an RV full time. So you, you have that security blanket of living on a campground. Yeah. The more comfortable you become with it, the older your kids get, 
And the more you're like, okay, I actually don't even want to be at the campground anymore. I want to boondock or right. I want to boot around as much as possible and get off the beach path. Yes. That's the whole evolution of the lifestyle. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The, the previous year, so pre-COVID, um, we actually found ourselves and we were in Texas when everything kind of mm-hmm. came to all of that. Right. We didn't rush back. I'm, I mean, some will judge, whatever. It's March in Canada. It was, it was, it was March, yeah, and we were in <laughs> Texas, and uh, we stayed put. We were like, you know what? We were isolating. We're, you know, we're just going about our business. We're we safe. are we are safe, but we were in, we had less interaction with people where we were than we ever would have if we had come back. Exactly, or back. yeah. And, yeah, traveling, you can be totally self-contained. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, and in, and in March, like Joseph's saying, you know, hanging out in an RV in March in Canada yeah. wasn't appealing. Right. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. So we just kind of hung tight for a while and just, you know, let it kind of roll itself out. And then, you know, eventually we went, made our way back to Canada and we did our quarantine in, oh gosh, where were we on Lake Erie? But, yeah. Yeah, we ended up. Um, Leamington, very close Leamington. to where, where he is. Yeah, towards yeah. the Windsor area. Yeah. We were out there. We ended up, again, like travelers and and friends and it ended up being a social media shout out we ended up finding a beautiful house right on the lake yeah and live in the lake for a few months what was supposed to be two weeks ended up being two months two months <laughs> right right but it was it was great just a great experience you know and it's just word of mouth it's just knowing people and getting creative chatting with people and- i know sean sean makes fun of me like i, I used to run a, a national ski organization and i help out in some other things and it's basically I can go and ski anywhere in North America and meet up with people that I know personally or either through social media, you know, yeah. and, and yeah, it's, there's always an invite out there. It's like, Oh yeah. Hey, if you're in this neck of the woods, come by, you know, we'll take you, we'll go skiing, whatever, you know, that sort of stuff. And even through the podcast, you know, I was uh, interviewing this woman, Megan Kelly, and I was telling her about this ski trip we planned. She goes, well, if you're in Lake Tahoe, come by. We'll go skiing in Mammoth, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty cool. Just, uh, yeah, for me, like you guys, it's all about the experiences and the opportunities. The experiences and, the, and the connections and the yeah. um, just the life, right? Just talking yeah. to people and experiencing all kinds of different ways of life. I think it's very much a sort of a traveling mindset um if that's what you want to call it but it's just embracing and like saying yes and just well and and i think it makes you like well read whether you've read a book or not through experiences i agree i agree yeah it's we um you know we people sometimes question what they don't understand and so we got questions a lot about the homeschooling and and that kind of stuff but yet i think our kids thrive because of that connection with people, right? They don't think sure. twice about having a conversation with a an adult. Yeah. Hey, how are you today? Or what are you, you know, what is what are you doing over there? Okay, you know, like they they just learn so naturally. They're so inquisitive, and they just yeah. they want to, you know, have these experiences as well. It's such a natural thing for them um, that we're just, you know, they're learning by life. Yeah. Well, you know what? That that's I love I loved working with like grade eight students because like one of the things that we do in our curriculum is probability, and it's like. I'm going to teach them about gambling. (laughs) So we, we, I would, I would teach them about how odds were built and we would actually do, um, uh, carry out experiments and build odds and that sort of stuff. And then 
after we figured all this sort of stuff out and had all the odds developed, I said, okay, we're for the next two days, we're going to gamble. You're going to have like a hundred dollars hypothetically and that sort of stuff. And you know what? That was their most favorite lesson, you know, cause it would, yeah. And then, and, and, and I said, yeah, so now you guys have all lost your money. This person's yeah. made some money. The main reason why I did this is to teach you why you should not be gambling. Cause the smart kids were like, <laughs> where's the money go that nobody wins? I was like, oh, that comes to me. And they're like, that's not fair. And I went, no, no, no. Gambling is a business. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it, you know, the experiential education is is gigantic, right? I remember having this conversation with you when we had dinner. It was one of the things that we kind of clicked over um, chatting about it. And I remember just looking at you being like, Man, I think I even said it to you. I would have wanted to be in your class. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. that, that realness about you that you just, I, I could be a jerk sometimes in my class, but uh, I, I was I was generally the guy who got the uh, the misbehaving thirteen year old boys who were unruly and that sort of stuff. <laughs> I remember this one kid; he was being a goofball and he was trying to leave the classroom. And I stood in front of the door, and he was like, "Okay." Well, he went and sat back down. But you know what? Thirty feet away from me was a door out to the schoolyard. He didn't even think about going through that door. <laughs> and then I pointed it out to him, right? He's like, he looks down, he goes, oh, I'm stupid. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, it really is kind of getting getting to their level in a sense, right? Like I've learned so much. And, you know, I feel like teaching the kids is, is yeah. teaching me in a sense. We just, it's very hands-on and it's very, yes. get out and experience it. And there's things that I'm learning. I'm like, I didn't know that. I would you know, have- we did a. I would have conversations with parents on meet the creature night, as I would call it. And they're like, yeah, this new math. I said, it's not new math. I'm teaching it the way I learned it. And you know what? Pythagorean theorem has not changed in 3000 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing. You just forgot, you know, like, so uh, you're on Vancouver Island until your camp hosting job lasts till the end of the summer. I think it's October 1st or October 15th. Okay. And whenever that happens, we are going to pin and head straight for the sunshine down south. One way or another, we're crossing the border and we're heading to where we've been creating so many, so many memories, whether it's California, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, and Florida. Right. Those are places that we love. Utah is is just a phenomenal state that I want to go back to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're heading south. Either way, we're going to figure it out. We're heading south. I, I did. Been, s- I, sorry, go ahead, Jamie. Sorry. I was just say we've been eyeballing some some different alternatives to if if need be. We've you know looked at various places in Costa Rica and right. Guatemala, Guatemala, Mexico. Nice. Um, we're kind of getting to the point where we'd like to. Our long term goal is a little, a lot more international travel as well. So we're yes. working to build multiple income streams where Joseph is able to uh, retire from WestJet, and we can sort of broaden our horizons that way, where we're not. Uh, coming back to the airport so we've got a few businesses that we've built um just multiple income streams right like if you've got it coming from various sources you diversify yourself and then you're yeah you're doing a-okay so some international travel is definitely uh in in the in the future cool we've got coming up so and i'm sure we'll continue to incorporate you know the the pet sitting and the wolfing because we love doing it right yeah it's a great way to travel yeah well you know what i have an organic farm just north northeast of us and i give them a hand whenever they're short people you know earlier this year i spent the morning we planted two thousand brassicas you know i came home with a couple of bags of fresh vegetables it was awesome 
Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Well, that's the, the, the trade-off too, right? Like I, um, the best way I can describe it to people, a lot of people ask me about it. It's like, well, it, it's, it's very much an energy share. Yeah. Do you know, like you're giving your time and you're, you're learning and you're kind of goes both ways. There was um, a beautiful yoga studio in uh, Lake country that I absolutely adore. And they had, um, they kind of introduced me to that. It's like an energy share program, right? Where you, you give a couple of hours to help them out and then exchange for yoga. Yeah. Right. Like it's just, yep. there's so many creative ways to explore and, and learn new things, learn yeah. new skills, try something different and just really. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you also can see progress. So one day you might be planting strawberries. Right. Later you can see the plant, the, the plant growing. If you are pet sitting, you come in, the, the, the animal might be a little bit stressed out because now it's a new person in their house. Right. And when the owners come back, the dog stays with you because they just want to hang out with you because they, they had <laughs> that connection with you. Yeah. Whatever that you're doing, you can see the progress coming along. And that's one thing that I can say that when I was working in the corporate world, I did corporate sales for a very long time. I felt unfulfilled because all I was doing was putting a quota number on a board Right. that I had no real interest in. I didn't care about it. Whereas when I worked in construction or when I worked for FedEx as a driver, I felt at the end of the day, like I accomplished something and that was more fulfilling and more rewarding than any humongous sales month that I had during the corporate world. Right. And that's something that we feel also with this is that by homeschooling our kids, by being involved in our kids' life a lot, Yes. We see the fruits of our labor. Yeah. When we're not with them and somebody has our kids and they bring them back after a four or five hour out, outing, whatever it may be, and they say, oh my God, your kids are so polite. Yeah. And at that point, we're sure that they're, they're mis- mistaking our kids for other kids, but you know, <laughs> apparently it really is our kids. Yep. And they're well-paved and they ask questions and they have good manners. It's like, yes, we're doing it right, yeah. apparently. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, was, I would always be one of the first people when I had students that I didn't have to do anything to motivate them to learn, to behave or, or whatever, I would call up that parent and I would say, thank you. And they're like, for what? I said, because you know what? You have made my job easier to teach your child because of the work that you put into your child prior to coming to my classroom. And they're like, really like you know what they're they're not like that at home <laughs> i was like well you, you sure know how to make a, a parent glow because yeah, i feel exactly. like that's the most rewarding thing a parent can hear right as, as sure. you know that you've raised your own children but yeah you just you really do right feeling that it doesn't i say it all the time it's it is the hardest job we've ever had by far the most rewarding but yeah it is it is a well, you know what? I, I'm, I'm glad you said that because when I would teach sex ed, I told the kids it, and my classes were fun. They were like Dr. Phil and Steve Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I told them, I said, the hardest job you're going to have with your partner is raising children. The second hardest job you're going to have is developing and evolving your relationship with your partner. Yes. You know, very good advice. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I said, you know what, in this day and age of throw away whatever, the only people yeah. who win are the lawyers. Yeah. You know, it's not right. like, oh, let's press the reset button and start all over again. No, 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 no. You're going to sit down and have a conversation, you know, and work and through this. That balancing act between the two, because they don't necessarily always coincide very well. Joseph and I um, have adopted a saying through 
an oil community or a ULA community that we're a part of, if you're not working on your marriage, you're automatically working on your divorce. Right. Yeah. That's an excellent, that's an excellent one. Yes. Yeah. If you're not by default and it's, it's, you can't just coast. No. You know, because, you know, you don't necessarily see the cracks. Yeah. But then before you know it, there's a divide and, and balancing the two, you know, parenting and maintaining your relationship, uh, it works. Yeah. And you, you know what, like, as I'm, as you're talking, I'm sitting here listening, Sean and I hadn't hooked up our fifth wheel since October. So before we went up to the farm where we keep it, it's like, okay, remember, we're going to do this, we've got to do this, 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 that, and the other thing. And you know what, we were up and gone in 10 minutes. And yeah, Sean yeah. says, boy, I'm glad that we said some, or you said something and, you know, cause we have this routine. And if you don't follow that routine, it breaks down and then you have problems, right? Same with, yeah, same with your, your uh, regular relationship. hundred percent. We have a, we have an ongoing joke. It's like, I'm sorry for what I said when we were parking the fifth wheel. Right. <laughs> you know what? I, I I'll send you a picture of my floor mat. Cause it says, <laughs> sorry. Um, for what, for what I said while I was backing up the fifth wheel or something like that, I'll send yeah. you a picture of my floor mat. It's the same thing. We don't have that problem. Well, thankfully. Yeah, watching couples park, being in, working in a, in a, a campground right now, watching couples park their, their trailers or their RVs, you know, says yeah. a lot about a relationship. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I, I know I have gotten this rig because my rig is almost as big as what you had. I, I don't know, what, what yeah. size fifth wheel are you presently in? We're in a 38, 38, feet, 38 right feet right now. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, so we're 41-foot. And, yeah. and I've gotten in it in some places and Sean is like, how'd you do that? Like there was one place yeah. we were going up to uh, Thunder Bay and in Old Woman Bay, one of the campgrounds or Pancake Bay, one of the campgrounds says, yeah, we could take a 40 foot uh, fifth wheel. And so I drove through very gingerly. There was like an inch or two on each side of the trailer as I'm navigating through. And I got out there and I was like, you don't, you don't have space for a, a rig my size. Oh yeah, we do. I said, no, you don't. You know, like, thankfully my uncle trained me on the farm backing up hay wagons and that sort of stuff. That, that was my training to uh, moving this big thing around. You're moving a big Yeah. It's like anything else you learn, right? You go slow. Go slow and, and go. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, uh, Sean's cousin, her partner drives one of the biggest, heaviest rigs on the road. He works in the, in the logging industry and in trucking in, um, in Alberta wow. and, and BC. And he says, just put everything out of your mind and go as slow as you need to go to get your rig backed yep. into wherever, never panic or anything like that. So stop, yeah. get out, look around, assess. Yeah. Get that in, back up. Yeah. Stop. Get assess. Yeah, exactly. You can do that 25 times. It doesn't matter how silly it might look. Yeah. If you are not wrecking your rig, yeah. you won. Exactly. You're yeah. Cool. I would drive the, and my mind was my worst enemy like right. I would I had to learn how to just calm myself and be like just deal with what's in front of you and around you right in that moment because you you do you, you get yourself into a panic right it's a heck of a lot harder to yeah calm yourself down and just ease into it you can go Joseph always told me you can go as slow as you want yeah yeah because <laughs> you have to remember that you're like in our case everything we own in this world <laughs> is hooked up to the truck exactly so and it's, it's something that most people don't deal with because 
you have stuff in storage or you have your house. This is your weekender. This is your month long trip. Right. Yeah. We this all the time. So everything we own is with us at all times. Yes. So you really want to be careful with your RV because if you wreck it and it has to be repaired, you have nowhere to sleep. Exactly. Yeah. Out. There's, there's another little added pressure there, which is, again, it comes back to go slow. Jamie and I, when we work, we've got a very simple system where we have walkie talkies. Yeah. I say, you, you let me park. I know how to park this RV. You keep an eye out for high branches or pegs or picnic tables that I might not see because they're in a blind spot. Right. And we've never had a problem up to now. Yeah. Yeah. That's like Sean and I, she gets on her cell phone and the truck picks, you know, answers my phone and she just talks me back. Watch this, watch that. One of, one of my favorite, one of my favorite parking spots was in sparkling. Oh, it's in Vernon. There's this resort. That's a Schwarzky crystal resort or something like that. It's really high up over Lake Okanagan. And they told me they, yeah. So Jeff told me, yeah, drive up here, go see uh, valet parking and they'll tell you where to park. And they said to me, we want you to park where you stopped, but we need you to back in, turn around. I was like, are you kidding me? So I had to (laughs) go kind of on a, maybe a, maybe a 30 degree angle back down this road that was lined with luxury cars and then back up into another parking lot, spin around and then back, back up that road and then back into the angle. And so I think that the valets were coming out to help. And then when they saw Sean and what was happening, they just kind of stood around and watched. (laughs) And you can't take too much guidance. No, no. There's too many people, right? You need to just like focus in on one person. Like it's, as exactly. much as we love people jumping out, yeah. you can't. Um, yeah. We've got a, a story from West Virginia. Oh, we ended up, Virginia. It was a, uh, the map just didn't, didn't let you know exactly what you were up against. And we ended up with the 44 foot fifth wheel up a dirt, wasn't a dirt no, road, it was a gravel a, road. No, it wasn't a dirt road. It was, it was, um, it was normal road. But it, was, but it got tighter and tighter and tighter where it was one vehicle at a time and looking up at the top of the hill because it was a steep angle. There was a truck there and I waved him down. And I said, is that a switchback up there? It was He's like, actually, it's a double switchback. I'm like, I'm not getting up there, am I? He's like, oh, no, you're not. Right. <laughs> no, you are not, my friend. Right. I've, oh, I've, oh. Been, I've been in that situation near Barrier, BC, visiting Sean's uncle. And all he said to me was, well, your truck has four-wheel drive, right? <laughs> <laughs> and as as I start up this pitch, I'm in second gear, third gear, and as I turn to the right, the pitch gets steeper and the truck shifts gear into first gear and the front wheels unweight. And oh. and 300 feet below us with no barrier beside us is the I think it's the Fraser River that's there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was like oh. and Sean was having a, a, a a quiet panic attack in the back. Yeah. Oh, yep. Yeah. Been there. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> the it was... quiet ones are the best. Yeah. 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 You're, you're trying desperately. However, I was kind of hoping she would, like, be a little more vocal and tell her uncle that, no, we're not going up there, Uncle Frank, you know. <laughs> uh, man. Again, those memories, right? They stick exactly. out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You sweat buckets for a few minutes, but you find your way out, slowly yeah. but surely. Yeah. You wonder how the heck you ended up there, and then you, you know, then you've got some great stories to tell later. For sure, 
for sure. <laughs> Anyways, you know what? I'm going to thank you guys for spending an hour of time with me, sharing your stories and adventures. And you know what? Maybe we can uh, motivate some people to chase their own dreams and uh, do what you guys are doing. Yes. I would hope so. I, if there's one thing that I can say, when we started this lifestyle, we have very, very good friends of ours who had a big ranch, a big log home, horses, donkeys, like the whole nine yards. And one of the people who supported us but said, I could never, ever do this lifestyle. Right. And enough, six years after, afterwards said, I see how happy you are. I said, and they said, like, we know it's not always rainbows, rainbows and butterflies, butterflies, right? We know it's not always that easy. Yeah. But I see incredibly happy you guys are and now i'm starting to wonder do you guys have have you guys figured it out should we be selling our ranch and buying an rv and traveling full-time because oh my god we love seeing you we love hearing your stories and you just look freaking happy right the ranch is on the market by the way yeah uh, <laughs> i know well that you know what that's like i spent some time with my parents while my mother was dying and they live in a two-story and you know my dad got a new knee and the old warriors thought they could lean on each other. And I spent 10 days helping take care of them. And I was like, uh, we got to get out of our two story. And, uh, you know what, with lumber prices and land prices, I was like, you know what, our house doesn't owe us anything. We'll just stay here for a while. And that allow us to bounce between the cottage when we can get into Quebec and, uh, and, and our fifth wheel, you know, it's, it, it is. It's. I mean, like like you said, it's not. It's not for everybody, but it really right. is a beautiful. And it so is. So even if people take the time to think about what it is that they're really after, um, it's it's a great experience, even if it's not full time. Like right. you said, just be bopping around, but the experiences. Yeah. Are second fun. Yeah. So. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Our, thank you, Keith. We appreciate it. Yeah. And we were super happy to be here and spend some time with you. Yeah, I know. It's been a. It's been a while. Or, yeah. We're due for a catch-up, aren't we? Yeah, but not not in the, not in the south. I'm not going there because you know what? I'm glad you enjoyed your time in Fort Myers. La- December 2019, I went to my parents' house for the first time in 30 years, and I don't need to go back. In Florida? Yeah, it's too hot, man. Oh. <laughs> See, I li- I like it when it's minus 30. Yeah, that's true. You like the, the yeah. ski strap. You know what? We had an interesting winter this winter. We got to snowshoe, and, you know, the kids really haven't spent much time in snow. So right. yep. it, we were grateful for some of the experiences, but I think we, uh, we're we still going to chase the sunshine. We're ready. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I don't, as long as it's dry, uh, I, I hate yeah. humidity. Like, I'm I'm here in Windsor. It's stupidly humid today. So thankfully, the trailer's got air conditioning and it's a it's a toy hauler like yours, so I'm sitting in the garage. It's my portable uh, studio. Yeah. Beautiful. Anyways. It's a good life. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Keith. You take care. We'll okay. see you again soon. Thank you, Jamie and Joseph, for sitting down with me to talk about your RV lifestyle and chasing your dreams and staying true to yourself. I just wanted to to mention to people where they can find Jamie and Joseph, uh, theoilytravelers.com. They are certified life coaches. Uh, you can also find them on Facebook and Instagram at the Oily Travelers. And if you're looking for essential oil stuff, they are essential oil and wellness enthusiasts. So you can always hit them up.
Anyways, thanks for joining us on this episode of the Skippy Report, and check back in a little while for the next episode.